You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to our podcast live from the ABA section of Antitrust Law Spring Meeting 2018. This is Hila Shimshoni, and I'm the host for today's episode, which is being recorded on location at the ABA section of Antitrust Law Spring Meeting 2018 in Washington, D.C. Joining me now, I have Ronnie Habash, a partner at Deckert, and Danielle Hugland, a Director of Legal Solutions at Integrion. Hi, both of you. Hello. Hi, Hila. How are you? Uh, before we get started, please tell us a little bit more about yourselves, what you actually do, where you work. Let's start with uh, Danielle. Sure. So I'll start at the most current and work backwards. Um, I actually just started a new job at Integron. This is day number three, so I'm very excited. I, I should say now I'm I'm in a unique position in this space because I'm uh, work with a vendor, not a law firm, not an economist, not in-house counsel. Alternative legal services providers like Integrion and my previous employer, Thomson Reuters, um, we play a critical role in the legal ecosystem and especially in antitrust cases where there are large document volumes and so managed document review and e-discovery comes into play. Previously, I was at Thomson Reuters for five years um, where I basically did the same thing. But before that, I practiced antitrust litigation for about 15 years, first at DLA Piper and then King and Spalding. Excellent. Ronnie? So I am a partner at Deckard LLP currently, and my practice focuses mainly on merger and acquisitions. Previously, I was an associate at Deckard, started my whole career there. And before coming into Deckard, I graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree from West Virginia University in economics and then went on to George Washington for law school. Excellent. And so you guys have pretty unique perspectives on practicing. Um, Can you explain to us what it is that you like most about what you do and about antitrust? Let's start with Ronnie. Sure. So being an economics nerd back in the day, I, I knew I wanted to do something involving economics, and I knew I wanted to do something involving the law. So I got to law school, and it just seemed like the perfect fit. And, you know, it really has played out that way for me. I think a lot of what I do today all involves uh, a lot of economics, a lot of just, uh, you know, creative thinking about problems, critical critical thinking about uh, how to solve problems, and a lot of uh, just very high-level high level analysis. And, you know, it's not... Everyone thinks lawyers do a lot of paper pushing, but I think a lot of what we do, we have... You know, the Sherman Act is only only a very very short statute and doesn't require a, doesn't require a, you know hundred page read of anything. So uh, so it's been a lot of fun to do antitrust. Excellent, Danielle. So I came at it from a little bit different perspective. Uh, for Monty, I'm I'm am not or was not at least um, an economist economist nerd. Is that the term? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a term of art, yes. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> when I came to law school, I took antitrust and I fell in love with it um, f- because the Sherman Act was so short. And it amazed me out of, you know, such a small, compact act there uh, came out this this huge body of case law that was really complex and interesting and dynamic. And as we've seen in the last few years, uh, it actually changes quite a bit. You know, the 100-year-old precedents are, are overturned sometimes. I fell in love with it. And so um, from the minute I graduated from law school, I pursued a career in antitrust and haven't looked back. And now, Roddy, you mentioned that you are a, an econ nerd. Um, were there other, what were the particular skills that you felt helped you become a really good practitioner, become good at what you do and hone your skill? So I think the most important thing is just understanding how businesses work, how people think, um, how they strategize, um, 
I mean, those are those are the most important things that go into it. And out of that, you know, a lot of what we do in the M and A space deals with uh, looking at how do how do companies view their competitors, how do they do their pricing in relation to their competitors, how do they market against their competitors. So I think understanding from a business perspective all of those different factors, being able to speak to clients on the same level understanding you know what their objectives are and not just speaking to them as a lawyer but as someone who really understands what they're doing and why they're doing it I think that it it's been a huge part of my practice Danielle did you have any skills that you felt really helped you hone your um, your practice and your career your craft just a, a desire to practice antitrust law you know for me it it was it was almost like, you know, the rest of law school, kind of going back to, you know, how, how I got to be an antitrust lawyer, the rest of law school was like, yeah, 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 I get it. Um, this is sort of interesting. But antitrust was sort of like Tetris to me, like all the pieces just kind of fit and it made sense. And I was really eager to get out there and practice. And I actually started um, on the plaintiff side at uh, the old Milberg Weiss um, and then uh, moved over to the, the old Gray Carey, two firms that are really <laughs> no longer in existence <laughs> for different reasons, of course. You know, I, I basically sat, you know, in the doorstep of the, the managing partner at Gray Carey, who was the only antitrust practitioner in, in the office at the time in San Diego. And I think the skill or the quality that I possess that really led me here was just tenacity. I didn't give up. I practiced, I started in San Diego, which is not a hotbed for antitrust. And then I moved to Seattle, again, not a hotbed for antitrust. And then Austin, third strike for antitrust hotbeds. Um, and I still made it work. So we know that there are many careers, many paths to careers in antitrust and many possible place is to end up, but what's the best path in your mind, um, Danielle? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think one of the exciting things that's coming up today that frankly wasn't available when I started my career was the rise of legal operations as a profession, legal operations to include, you know, basically legal management of a corporate in-house law department, which I think is so important. When you look at the legal industry, it really is an ecosystem that includes in-house law departments, law firms, and then other, I'll, I'll sort of include other, and the other is is really coming into play right now, providing a lot of services to both law firms and law departments. So the pathways for a career in antitrust are opening up tremendously, and I'm a beneficiary of that. Like I said, I'm, I'm not with a law firm, I'm with a vendor, and I'm enjoying my career as a vendor. I'm still active in the bar, I'm still ac an active participant in the section. And it's really been fulfilling for me. So I would say the biggest thing that I look for just when I am interviewing candidates is just a intellectual curiosity. I think a lot of, at least in the M&A antitrust space that I've been participating in, you know, a lot of, like we talked about a little bit earlier, a lot of it just is there's room for creativity. There's room for thinking about how to solve these problems. And, you know, I've found people who have that level of curiosity tend to do very, very well in uh, you know, helping build the advocacy for why a particular merger is going to be beneficial to consumers. And and what do you say that the ABA antitrust section offers that can help uh, budding professionals, people interested in entering this um, this line of work, interested in this area of law? How does the ABA um, help them? I'd say one of the best things about the ABA is the substantive programming. So it's really been an incredible benefit to be able to network with, say, state and state attorney general uh, attorneys, 
um, with the federal enforcers, the DOJ, the FTC, uh, as well as other, you know, plaintiffs' attorneys and uh, international attorneys, international enforcers. I mean, it covers really the whole spectrum. So you really get uh, you really get a lot of different perspectives, and you also get to hear directly from the people on the other side of the table in sort of a more uh, collegial setting, rather than as part of a, a case where you're going head to head against each other. You know, you get to get to know these people as people, and not uh, not uh, adversaries. So I think that has been incredibly helpful, and of course, all the all the brown bags, the t- teleseminars, uh, this ABA spring spring meeting. I mean, all of it is just it's been incredibly valuable. And I'll just echo that the educational opportunities are amazing. The publications are incredible. The opportunity to participate on panels and write uh, chapters for books that are actually influencing the the law and the, 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 the area of law. And then the opportunity to lead, the opportunity to become a leader in the organization and shape the direction of the organization, I think is really beneficial as well. And there are lots of opportunities for young lawyers, especially um, the section of is always looking for young lawyers to come in and join and write and edit and participate on panels and do uh, you know exactly what you're doing. Um, so I, I think it's it's a valuable organization for you know folks that want to jump in and participate in a um, in a meaningful manner. I have one last question, and that is, what is the one best piece of advice you could give a young lawyer? So I think the number one thing is just to be bold go out and make sure that you're interacting with other people that you wouldn't normally interact with. I think a lot of people have a tendency to just stay within, you know, the people that they know within their organization, not really spread out. Um, One of the things that I found absolutely incredibly valuable about the ABA is that I've been able to network with a lot of, a lot of people outside of my firm. So it's helped me build a lot of connections. It's helped me raise my profile uh, it's helped me internally at my own firm that you know I have connections outside of the firm as well. So I think uh, as a young lawyer, that's the most important thing when you go to some of these these networking events, these happy hours. You know, it's not not there just to have a couple of drinks and uh, stand in the corner, and uh, it's really to start to meet start to meet some of these people that are out there, some of the leaders within the section, um, and take advantage of all that. Agree a thousand percent. Um, And I'll answer with an anecdote about my transition from a law firm to 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 the vendor side, you know, I, I mentioned I had practiced for about 15 years and I was pretty well established and I got to thinking, you know, what do I want to do? with the rest of my life. Do I want to stay at a law firm, become a partner? Do I want to go in-house? Where do I want to go? And I I paused and took stock of what I really enjoyed about my my practice. The things that I enjoyed were the process, the e-discovery process, getting teams together, doing document reviews. I'm one of those weird ones that actually likes that. And so I thought, well, what am I doing here? If that's what I really enjoy, why not go work for an organization that does that day in and day out? And about the same time, this was 2013, about the same time I was reading Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In. And the one piece of advice that I got from that book was, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And that was really the jumping off point for me when I looked at what I enjoyed in my career, what I wanted to do with my life, 
and ask myself that question, what would I do if I weren't afraid? It's like, heck yeah, I would go work for a vendor. That's absolutely what I would do. So that my advice would be, ask yourself that at every turn. What would you do if you weren't, weren't afraid and be bold? That is really good advice. I want to thank you both. It looks like we've reached the end of our program, but I want to thank Ronnie and Danielle for joining us today. If our listeners have any questions or wish to follow up with you, how can they reach you? I am at, uh, you can reach me by phone, um, 512-739-0544, or email danielle.hogland at integrion.com. And you can reach me at my work email, which is ronnie.habash at deckert.com. Uh, this concludes another podcast from ABA section of Antitrust Law Spring Meeting 2018. If you like what you've heard, please find us and rate us on Apple Podcasts. I'm Hilashin Shoni. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.